Hello everyone and welcome back. Glad you could join us. It's Glenn here with a brand new episode of the show. I'm happy to say that we're almost into March, which means the worst of the winter is behind us. However, that also means that I can no longer use the weather as an excuse for my poor attitude and gloomy outlook. There are a few notable events in March that I'd like to mention. My grandmother turns 92 on the 12th. Happy birthday, Grandma. And it's 41 candles for my estranged friend Adam on the 7th. If you're listening, Adam, which you're almost certainly not, reconciliation isn't impossible, but as the years trudge along, I'm beginning to have my doubts. Finally, on March 6th, 1836, the Battle of the Alamo came to its tragic conclusion, which leads fittingly into today's episode, which is an interview with San Antonio singer-songwriter and honky-tonk proprietor Garrett T. Capps. Garrett has been formally releasing music since his 2016 album Elos Lonely Hipsters, and he's quickly become one of my favorite songwriters working today. His 2022 album, People Are Beautiful, recorded with his formidable band, NASA Country, is a country rock masterpiece that everyone listening right now should immediately purchase. Garrett has a website, garrettcaps.com, where you can find tour dates, information about purchasing his work, and other things. You can also peruse his catalog over at his Bandcamp page. And if you ever find yourself in San Antonio, drop by his honky-tonk bar, The Lonesome Rose, where he books the bands that play and occasionally plays himself. In my conversation with Garrett, we touched on topics like attending a Ramstein show at the architectural marvel that is the Alamo Dome. We also discussed Garrett's upcoming involvement in Austin's famed festival, South by Southwest, and we got into how San Antonio can feel like a small city, even though it's billed as the seventh largest metropolis in the U.S. It was a fun talk, and I hope you enjoy it. I should also note that after almost a year of doing these episodes, I still have an occasional hiccup with how to properly talk into a microphone, which you'll hear evidence of through some subtle buzzing with my audio. Sorry about that, but I don't think it's too annoying. It's just not pristine is all. Anyway, enough out of me. Enjoy the conversation, and please give us a rating or a review, and if you're so inclined, drop us a note to let us know how we're doing over at raisedbywhoops.com. I'll play you into the episode with Happen Anytime from People Are Beautiful and end with Traveling Days. Thanks, Garrett. And thank you, listeners. Until next time. Sometimes I see faces when I'm walking around 
like to welcome uh, San Antonio singer-songwriter, musician, and entrepreneur Garrett T. Caps to the program. Uh, Garrett and his band NASA Country released my favorite record last year entitled People Are Beautiful, and I was thrilled when uh, he agreed to join me for this conversation. Uh, you can find out more about Garrett and his music at GarrettTCaps.com or GarrettTCaps.Bandcamp.com. And you can also find him on social media, streaming services, and hanging out at his honky-tonk, uh, the Lonesome Rose, on the St. Mary's Strip in San Antonio. All right, thanks for doing this, Garrett. And uh, how are things in Texas this evening? A little warm. Uh, and and badass, I don't know. Cool, that sounds good. Well, it's it, yeah, it's it's uh, the opposite here. It's it's a little, it's actually fucking cold. But yeah, I wish I was down there with you. Um, wait, where's where's uh, Scott playing tonight? What venue? He's playing at the Lonesome Rose. Oh, oh, he's playing at your venue. Oh, okay, right on. Um, and who's opening up for him? Um, Harvey McLaughlin. He's a San Antonio kind of piano piano rocker. Okay, awesome. Um, all right, man. Well, um, just to get things going here, uh, I heard you in another interview, somebody asked you, uh, what, uh, you know, if you did anything else besides music in terms of art, like, did you, did you draw, do you paint any of that? And you said, um, that you had some interest in stand up comedy. So, uh, so <laughs> what I, an interview that was. <laughs> I can't remember. I, I, I think it was at the Lonesome Rose, to be honest. Um, there was, I, I remember there were some beer bottles clanking and I think you were with, uh, DT, um, DT Buffkin. I'm trying to yeah, think what that interview was. Yeah. Uh, and, it, but anyways, um, you said that, uh, you had some interest in stand up comedy. So I was just wondering, uh, do you have any favorite, like, comics or stand-ups like do you have any any go-tos in that in that department um i uh am pretty casual in my stand-up comedy fandom and my as far as my uh my forgotten pursuit of stand-up comedy (laughs) but uh i do i do like uh my my favorite contemporary comic is Mark Marin, I think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I listen to his podcast, and I've I've always kind of liked Mitch Hedberg. And... Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I like Marin too. And uh, if you don't mind me saying so, I think like sometimes you have a bit of a Mitch Hedberg lilt in your voice. There's a bit of similar cadence there. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but something i've noticed but anyways oh cool yeah cool. yeah <laughs> um all right so just to catch our listeners up here i just wanted to I, I know you've talked about your background a bunch and i'm sure you're bored bored of talking about it but i just wanted to set a bit of a foundation for the listeners so you grew up in like the northern suburbs of san antonio is that right yes okay so the northern suburbs and i heard that you're uh You've mentioned that your mom was a piano player and that she could, uh, you know, read music and that your father had a pretty extensive record collection. Uh, you know, he liked the Stones and Jethro, Jethro Tull. Um, I was just wondering, what did they work at when you were a kid, when you were growing up? Like, what were their occupations? Yeah, what did they do for, for income and all that? Um, my father worked in the uh, real estate uh, world okay commercial real estate and then uh my mother worked in the fashion industry oh really it still does yeah it still does okay um like designing you mean or uh more like retail okay okay i see so does she have like a storefront in san antonio or no she uh mostly does like uh it isn't like a storefront kind of thing okay okay she manages people that sell. Oh, I see. Uh, I clothes see. and stuff. Right on. Okay, and uh, so you, and you didn't have any siblings, right? Nope. No, no siblings. Okay. Um, I also heard you mention that you like you know drums were your first instrument, and then you know you picked up guitar after that. Um, uh, just wondering if you had any other interests when you were a kid. Like, I mean, were you into anything else or just mainly music? 
mostly music. I think I went through like some feds. I was obsessed with roller coasters for a little while. Okay. Uh, I played sports. I was bad at sports, but I liked basketball. Um, I think that about covers it. I'm sure I'm missing something. But wait, do they have a Six Flags down there or something? They do have a Six Flags in what? San Antonio. Oh, it, it's still there, right? Yeah, and and uh, yeah, six... six Flags gets the Texans. Okay, and SeaWorld too. SeaWorld is here. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what I know um, about. Yeah, SeaWorld, Six Flags, um, you know, and then all the stuff everyone else talks about, like you know, the River Walk and the Alamo and the and the San Antonio Spurs and all that. Um, yeah, you're kind of just like summarizing the religion of San Antonio and so the tourist. The tourist department, you know, all of the cliched shit, right? Um, is the River Walk like worth going to? Like, if you're down, da- if you're in San Antonio, like, is it worth just you know taking a stroll? Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, the like the the main part of the River Walk is just like kind of that's our Bourbon Street kind of place. I mean, that's where all the the restaurants for tourists are. Okay. And right uh, hotels and all that. But I mean it's really beautiful. Yeah. And the river the river walk kind of stretches uh it stretches north and south a considerable distance, especially south. It goes pretty far. There's some really awesome hiking and biking trails and you can kayak on it. Nice. I support the river walk. Wait, what um and what river is it? It's the San Antonio River. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I was surprised to see that San Antonio was like the seventh largest city in the U.S. I didn't realize it was that big. But yeah, I think uh, we, we we've been saying that for a while. I don't know how often they the uh, the people, the powers that be, um, rate cities by size and population, but uh, I think. We've been the seventh largest city for a while. I've been wondering how we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I read that on Wikipedia. So, I mean, there's no, uh, I, I don't think that's uh, always all that truthful, but yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, I was just like, does it feel like a huge city? Like it doesn't feel like Houston or Dallas, right? Like it feels a bit smaller. Have you been here? Well, no, I've I've never been to San Antonio. I've been to Austin, but I've never been to San Antonio. You're asking all the awesome questions that uh, we all talk about here. Okay. I mean, I mean, not all of them, but like the uh, the funny part about San Antonio is we are a big city, um, but we have a, a large population that lives in the suburbs and around the downtown area, but not like necessarily in it i mean things are changing but uh it definitely kind of feels like a small town right uh, once you're kind of like in the greater downtown area inside the loop we have a highway called loop 410 okay that's kind of been a running joke for a long time if you live inside or outside the loop oh yeah yeah i had another guest on and they talked about that with atlanta too they said that that's how they refer to atlanta inside or outside the loop yeah yeah so yeah, so inside the loop, it still feels like our creative community is pretty, pretty uh, small, t- small city feeling, in some ways. Yeah, so a lot of the population like kind of exists in the suburbs and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, I see, I see. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I mean, I'd like to go down there. I just, yeah, I've, I've, I've only been to, you know, Austin, but, um, so. You went to, uh, speaking of Austin, you went, well, San Marcos is pretty close by. You went there for college? Yeah, I went there for college. Yeah, and what did you take? At, was it, Wait, was that Texas State University? Is that right? Yes. Okay, okay. And what was your major? I majored in business marketing. Oh, shit. Okay, that makes sense then. Okay, considering, you know... Uh, your networking, your networking skills, and your your business ownership to this. That's day. funny. I, I have this song I'm working on right now that says, 
I'm just some white guy <laughs> with a degree in business marketing. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to listen to it. All right, right on. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I was wondering what you, what you took in college. Um, I have been to San Marcos though. I, I went to, um, me and my girlfriend, uh, went on a glass bottom boat ride in San Marcos, you know, to, uh, they do this tourist thing where you like check out the aquifer or something there. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And like this, and like the students kind of run the tour and this uh, young woman was running the tour, driving the boat, but she kept, you know, steering us toward the shore and, and getting caught up in trees and whatnot. Um, and I felt really bad for her. Cause it was quite embarrassing, you know, cause she was trying to tour us around, you know, but, um, so I ended up helping her get out of the trees and, and, you know, it ended up being a nice little tour, but that's, uh, I think that's the only thing I did. Oh, and then I ate at churches and that was the only thing I did in San Marcos. I was just staying there because, uh, I didn't want to stay in Austin. Um, for South by Southwest or something? No, or? I didn't go down there for that. No, because I, it's too much of a. It's too busy, you know, for that. I, I, I mean, I just didn't want to go down because just too goddamn busy, you know. But I, I just went down in like April one year. Um, but uh, what was I gonna say? Uh, oh yeah, there's a really cool bar there too, right? Like the Cheatham Street Warehouse or something. Yeah. Yeah. Cheatham Street. Yeah. Right on. Um, where are you from originally? Uh, I'm from uh, I'm from near Toronto. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, like about 45 minutes from Toronto. So, um, uh, what else do I got here? Um, so then you, you stayed in the Austin area like after college for a bit? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. And like, did you get like, is that kind of when you got interested in songwriting, like after college type of thing? Or, uh, I got interested in songwriting when I, I went to college, uh, that area, you know, kind of that Cheatham Street scene and the hill country. And I, I wasn't like writing songs that much or like really participating much in, in a music scene at that time. It was kind of 2007 or so. But uh, I got really into kind of the great Texas songwriters that, that I stumbled upon. Um, I think Robert O'Keefe and Hank three were like kind of gateway drugs for me when I was 17 or 18. Nice. And then I, that kind of led me to Steve Earle. And then that I discovered everyone else kind of through him. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think about this all the time. I was thinking about this uh, on the way down here from Memphis a few days ago and uh, sometimes I forget why I'm doing what I'm doing because this past weekend I was like at this small like almost Comic Con kind of thing of like alt country misfits and rockabilly people but it was like just a dense crew of talent and uh I mean, I saw Sierra Farrell play, uh, Willie Carlisle. Um, some legends were there, Johnny Rodriguez. Uh, it's a whole spectrum of people, but I guess what I'm getting at is I think what initially drew me to kind of writing music the way I'm doing it and playing it the way I'm doing it um, was when I discovered kind of these Texas songwriters like the sound matched the climate. And also, like, I could relate to, like, somebody singing and playing guitar. It was, like, the form of expression I think I'd been searching for most of my life. Yeah. Uh, you know, country music kind of had a stigma to it growing up for some reason. And I was always, I always loved rock and roll and rock music and that's why I started playing rock drums and all that. But when I discovered Steve Earle 
and Robert O'Keefe. And these guys had voices that sounded kind of like their talking voice for the yeah. most part. Yeah. That kind of like the light bulb kind of went off for me. Um, and that's when I like grew really passionate about trying to learn how to make songs and music like, like they did. But uh, I was thinking about that on the way back to San Antonio from this Ameripolitan thing. Cause there are just people with just incredible voices and chops, guitar chops, and just like badass people everywhere <laughs> playing music. And I get kind of down on myself sometimes, like about what, how I'm doing it and what I'm doing it for and all that. <laughs> and then I have to kind of refresh and be like, oh yeah, it's because uh, it's just the, the way it, it goes sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I get that. Yeah, like, but I think sometimes too, it's your, it's the personality in your music that kind of makes you stand out, and not necessarily like, you know, like you can watch a person be really badass on guitar and get kind of jealous, but at the same time, you know, I I don't know, it, your personality means just as much, you know, in your music as your chops sometimes. I guess if that makes sense. Like, well, that's that's the thing. Yeah, I think that's what uh, it took me so long to figure out why I chose to choose this as my primary form of expression. It's because uh, it's just an extension of my personality. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, when I listen to like People Are Beautiful or some of your past records, like I'm not really thinking about like how well does this guy play the guitar or like, and, and I'm sure you play it damn damn well but i'm just saying i'm not really thinking about that like i'm i'm thinking about like these fucking songs are are incredible and they're making me feel really damn good and i'm not thinking about like oh you know what a great voice or necessarily or what an amazing guitar player or or anything i'm just thinking like these are beautiful songs beautiful melodies the hook the, the the lines are uh you know, um, I know you've said in the past that you're not necessarily a lyrics guy, but you have a knack for writing like one or two or three lines that really suck you in to a song. And I mean, that's a talent in its own right. Like, I think, you know, like, yeah, you can write a bunch of fancy lyrics, but like if you can write the way you write, you, you can write like a couple lines and they just hit you where it where it matters to me anyways, as far as I'm concerned, but yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, man. That's all I hope for as far as uh, someone listening to my music go, goes. So that's awesome. Yeah. Like I was just, before this interview, I was just walking downtown in the freezing cold, listening to, listening to some of your stuff. And it's just, I don't know, man. Um, you've, uh, whatever. I don't, I don't need to sit here and, and, and blow smoke, but it's a, uh, it's great stuff. So, um, I just wanted to move on to, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Netherlands um, because um, my dad's from there. Um, my my dad's from near uh, Groningen. Um, oh, yes. He's about 40 minutes. He was born in a tiny little village outside of Groningen. And, um, about That's why I asked you where you're from because your name looked looked Dutch. Yeah, yeah. Something was, like that. Yeah, I wasn't born there, but he was uh, He was born there. And, um, and my cousin has a radio show in Utrecht uh and you said that like somebody asked you once um what is it what is the Netherlands obsession with like Americana and country music and shit like that and you were like well they they seem to have like an obsession with Texas and like cowboy culture and that kind of thing and um that really checks out like an, an American culture and that checks out in my family because my dad was obsessed with country music and American culture and like American history and geography and baseball and all that shit. And my cousin who runs the radio show, like every couple of years, he comes to the States and rents a car and just tours around like Memphis and Mississippi and new Orleans. And so like that checks out in my family, like about the Netherlands people being weirdly obsessed with American culture. Um, I was just wondering, could you just talk a little bit, could you just like paint a portrait of like what it's like touring over there? Like what are some of the rooms you play? Like what are the audiences like? Um, Cause like I've never listened, I've never seen live music over there. And I was just wondering if you could 
just paint a bit of a picture of, of touring over there. Okay. Well, uh, I've very fortunately have spent, I think I've flown over to Amsterdam and back five times. Uh, I've done two fly-ins and three several week tours since 2018. And it's crazy to think about. I think about it all the time that it's like a kind of this normal part of my life now. Um, and it's really awesome. And I'm, I'm still kind of, I'm always navigating or trying to figure out exactly how to build upon whatever kind of opportunities have come my way, but also just kind of celebrate that anything that I find joy in is happening. Um, so over there, I mean, we've, I've played a few festivals. There's one in Groningen in particular that kind of jump-started my touring career over there um, called Take Root. And uh, I've played that three times, which is awesome. <laughs> and that's always a really great lineup of kind of like all-American acts for the – no, there's – there's some acts from Europe, but it's mostly American acts. Um, some like tried and true Americana and also like some more progressive stuff. And uh, that's always a trip in grown in uh, some of these cities in, in the Netherlands were good for a few hundred people at the shows, Utrecht, Amsterdam. I mean, those are pretty close, but uh, Groningen is always a, big time party yeah and yeah there's a bunch of small towns we've played in I mean we'll play these little 150 cap kind of ca they call them cafe sometimes they're like the smallest stage in like a three or four venue complex um, some of these cities are bigger rooms but uh, yeah, the crowd is the crowds that have come to see us in my. Uh, they all seem to be really. <laughs> they just kind. They kind of the crowds that come to see us in the Netherlands are usually pretty stoic when we perform. <laughs> but then, but then, like uh, when it when we're done, and I walk over to like. To the merch area everyone's really enthusiastic and always has lots of questions about the songs we played and the albums and stuff so yeah. i have a very very uh i love the netherlands it's awesome okay so like they're good listening audiences <laughs> yeah i think when i when i came out with my album in the shadows again that was kind of like the album that found the audience there through this website, alt country NL alt country dot NL. And, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect the first time I went over there, but it just seems like, uh, every time I release a record, the, the reviews and the feedback I get are pretty, they're pretty, uh, insightful, very, it's like kind of like, reading my mind they take it um, seriously over there yeah like uh in ways that i i hadn't experienced before <laughs> that's funny um i heard you i think I, I saw you getting getting interviewed at take root um you and uh james steinley yeah who yeah who is that uh like who was that guy like because he spoke perfect english but he like lives in the netherlands or something I don't know. I forgot. I'd have to see the name of the publication. Okay, because like, uh, he was talking about living over there, and, and I'm like, man, you, you're you like American or Canadian or something, but he, he, he lives over there, I guess. So, anyways. Yeah, it was like Roots something. But, uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That was fun. That was a fun one. That that was at Take Root. That was a fly-in for Take Root, and that was a particularly epic uh, weekend. Nice. Um, you said Romano's pretty big over there too, Dan Romano. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's really big over there. Have Have you played with him over there? No, I haven't. No, it okay. seems like uh, whenever we go tour Europe, there's always like another peer or person or a few other bands that we're always kind of crisscrossing um, the country at the same time around or kind of a week behind at the same venues. And it's been kind of like that with Daniel Romano. Yeah. Um, I've kind of gotten to know his circle of people a little bit and uh, they played the Lonesome Rose. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, they, they rule. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, he's a talented guy. I, he recently played a, a church in my town here in Guelph. And, um, yeah, he played with the Sadies. And, oh, man. Uh, yeah, it was a great show. And um, Carson was there, Carson McCone, his wife. And, yep. And Juliana, and they all, they're, 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 they're a crazy band. They're, they're really good, yeah. Yeah, that whole outfit with Carson, that was the bill. When they played the Rose. Nice, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty pretty extraordinary. Yeah. And I've known Carson for a long time. Um so it's really cool. Really cool to see uh, her kick ass and make awesome music with awesome people. Yeah, she she's from Texas, right? She's from Austin. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um all right, man. Uh, just wanted to switch gears a little. Um, I I just wanted to ask you, um, like, I just wanted you to talk about your love for San Antonio because, like, some folks, some people can't wait to like get out of their hometown and, like, you know, meet. Like, an example would be myself, but I don't. I didn't grow up in a cool place like San Antonio either, but. I was just wondering, like, what keeps your love of San Antonio alive? Like, um, like what keeps you there and, and what what stops you from, I don't know, like going to Nashville or Austin or, or some other place? I mean, I, that's a good question. I mean, these days I'm in Austin a lot for a lot of different reasons. Uh but it doesn't have the same vibe as home. I guess in some ways, like San Antonio is home. It is. I mean, I grew up here and uh, I have a, a lot of friends. I have business, a business here. Um, I have family here and it just feels like home. It's familiar territory. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And sure. the, it's a wonderful city. I mean, it's a it's a very warm place uh, in every way, <laughs> and uh, it's a weird place too. It's yeah. hard to put your finger on what San Antonio has got going on, other than all those things you mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah, like. Speaking of Austin, like, do you have any involvement in South by this year? Yeah, I book a party. It'll be the second year, and actually, like, Daniel and Carson are playing it. Oh, no shit. I do it at this place, the White Horse, that I've played a million times. Um, But I do it during the day, and it's, like, bands that I think align more with, like, the NASA country thing than, like, the cowpunk honky-tonk thing. Okay. I think it's cool to do it there because it's kind of like a famous bar pretty much in the middle of all the South by shit. And, and do you, um, like, are you always around uh, when South by is going on? Like in previous years, you've always been like playing or hosting stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think I've, I've maybe missed one year since I was one or two years since I was like a kid. That was the big deal when I was, uh, when I was a teenager trying to get up to South by to see all these kind of crazy free secret shows and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've heard about the white horse. Like I I've only been to, uh, like I was in new Braunfels and I went to green hall, uh, when I was down there 
but um like is is the white horse similar to green hall is it kind of like a texas honky tonk as well type of thing uh i mean green hall's just got this crazy magical vibe for sure and i mean the white horse does too but it's a different different scenario it's it's a it's a bar with awesome bands yeah um is it, big, is, it, is it bigger it's, than Lonesome Rose? Yeah, it's probably twice the size of the Lonesome Rose inside. Um, I mean, it's a very popular place. Like, all sorts of people go there. I mean, it's kind of like one of the more well-known nightlife spots in Austin. It has the it has the Austin experience. Right. Is it on Sixth uh, Street or? It's on the east side, like not far from like Hotel Vegas and some other places like but uh it's not far from Sixth Street, like the the well known parts of Sixth Street. Probably about a ten minute walk. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Um but, uh, yeah, Green Hall's yeah. It's it's not like Green Hall, but it's definitely like a fixture for sure. Okay. Yeah, because I've heard people like talk about the two together, and I was just kind of wondering. Like, I mean, Green Hall was, yeah, you like you said, it was it was quite magical, you know, with the chicken wire and drinking like a Shiner Bach with the fans going, and it was uh, unlike anything I've ever been to. It was amazing. So. Yeah, and it's awesome to see. I mean, a lot of famous people go to the White Horse and hang out and play there, but it, it's cool to see. Like a sold out show at Green Hall. Most of the shows sell out. Uh lots of bands do underplays there. Yeah. Uh, we're playing there. NASA Country's playing there in a week with uh Augie Myers and Flaco Jimenez. Oh wow. Okay. Cool. Um how old are those guys? Augie and Flaco? Flaco's about eighty seven or eighty eight and Augie is like <laughs> Probably about eighty or something. That's incredible. That's uh and I also heard you talk about the Doug Kershaw show at the Lonesome Rose and, and he was quite an age when he played that too, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. Doug's the coolest. Yeah, that would have been that would have been a great show. <laughs> yeah. Um so uh just wondering, man, like um like what? What would be a you know if if somebody was to spend a day in San Antonio? I was just wondering, like if you could kind of describe, um, like an if you could give some recommendations to like an aging hipster like myself. Like what would you suggest, like in terms of food and entertainment? Like what would be a few spots, a few must spots to hit up? Uh, you know, bands always ask me uh that kind of stuff when they're in town. Um, I'm biased to the Lonesome Rose. We have live music Fridays and Saturday nights on the regular, but we also have other shows on other nights randomly. But uh, we're open six days out of the week, and uh, I'd say that's a pretty good San Antonio experience. But uh, there's some good taco places. I mean, there's like a million. I have my favorites. Um. There's some good record stores, Crazy Rhythms and uh, Hogwild in particular. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, people still love to go see the Alamo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you can go look at the Alamo Dome, which is this giant, ugly-ass building the Spurs used to play in. What goes on there now? Not much. But no. you can look at. It. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I it, saw Ramstein there uh, in uh, September. Okay, that German band, cool. Or October, I can't remember one of those two. You know, there's like when I was do- when I was doing some research for this interview, like there's a lot of there's sort of like a media narrative out there. Like you know, I read some stuff like you know, Space Cowboy or like 
cosmic weirdo, um, some of these terms that get thrown around with your music. And I couldn't help but wonder, like, does that stuff, like, I understand the marketing aspect of that kind of stuff, but, like, does that stuff ever, like, when you're pigeonholed like that, does that stuff ever kind of annoy you? Or do you, like, like, do you embrace it? Or do you find it a bit reductive? I mean, sometimes I, I'll take it and run with it. Sometimes I won't. Sometimes it's just something I made up about myself and someone repeats. I don't know. I mean, there's no marketing, marketing team or anything like that. Yeah. Other than myself. So, if someone invents something or takes back something from whatever it is I'm doing, then uh, it's a victory. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. I just, uh, yeah, I saw, I saw like a, a Rolling Stone headline or something that said, you know, um, cosmic weirdo or something like that. And I just, you know, to me, you know, you just write really damn good songs. And, um, I don't like, I, if, if it were me writing a headline, I'd just put, you know, really damn good songwriter Garrett T caps. <laughs> I wouldn't put like cosmic weirdo or, or space cowboy or something, but I mean, Whatever. I mean, I guess the headline writers have to write something, but. Yeah, that's just the way it goes. I mean, that article in particular was uh, really, really awesome and helpful. And uh, I thought it was cool that he said all that. Yeah, no, that's cool. No, I was just, yeah, I, I, uh, I, it was a good article. I'm not, I'm not, uh, not shitting on that at all just uh yeah i was just just wondering just wondering about the sort of the media narrative that gets tossed around um yeah i mean i don't know if it's like a lack of focus on my end or what sometimes i feel like i just like have no idea what's happening or what i'm doing (laughs) (laughs) but it's like you know since people are beautiful came out in particular there have been some newer fans that have come in to my view that seem to really be attracted to this idea of kraut country or whatever labels have been tossed around. Yeah. And I like all those labels, but then there's also like fans that I've had or have come across that like love this kind of Doug Som label. That's, that's been like, uh, pointed at me and <laughs> that's cool too i mean I, I i thought about all this when i made the albums and the music but there's no like there's no like cohesive structure other than me just doing what i want to do you know yeah uh it is what it is to me it's what you said it's just like i'm writing the songs that i feel like writing and they're being presented and performed yeah However they are. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that Kraut Country, I've never heard that. Um, I've never heard any other artist described that way. So that's pretty original. Um, whoever uh, whoever coined that one. Uh, but yeah. Um, so uh, something like something I admire about you is that you're like you're talented as both a songwriter and a musician but also as like an entrepreneur and a networker. And it seems, it kind of seems like counterintuitive a little bit. Like when you think about like the, you know, like the sensitive artist trope and then like the cutthroat, you know, business world, like um, it doesn't seem to mesh together, but like you seem to pull, you seem to have talent in both uh, arenas. And I was just wondering, like, does the business side of things come natural to you? Or is it more of a practical decision to like, you know, save some money? Um, do you enjoy the business side of things? I've always been really passionate about like kind of like concert stuff. And, uh, since since the, in the last 10-ish years, I uh, really tried to have tried to found found joy in like organizing shows that I thought were really good in San Antonio and bringing bands here that uh, don't usually play here. Um, And that's kind of one way that I found the people that I, it's actually the way I found the people that I 
work with at the Rose now, my partners. But uh, business stuff does kind of come naturally to me in some ways. I think particularly when it comes to like projects and organizing events. And uh, that's all the Lonesome Roses to me is just like one non-stop event. Yeah. But uh, sometimes it can be like, because it all it's all synergistic and like for a long time at this point, all of my business endeavors have been synergistic with my passion, which is really cool. I worked for an audiovisual company for a long time and uh, yeah, it's been really cool that that can happen. And the music side of things is like writing music and recording music and playing music is always my number one um, interest. It's what keeps me going. But like, I do like the objective side of things and, uh, inviting bands to play here and throwing successful shows. And I found ways to try and merge the two and like bring bands to San Antonio or Austin and get my band to open for them or organize a little mini festival or something like that. And I'm getting pretty good at doing that. It feels like, yeah, but, uh, sometimes working with managers or booking agents and stuff can get a little, it can put me in a dark headspace because uh, there's some objectivity there that really does not, does not gel with the happiness that I get from making music. I love right. Uh, The realization that like, Oh yeah, this is like a business and there's like apparently there's a career ladder somewhere. <laughs> and these people on the other end of that like can see it. Um and they think that your numbers are bad. Right. <laughs> or something. Yeah. You know, that kind of shit. It's just like pretty exhausting sometimes. But uh at the end of the day the music the music reigns. Yeah. So. No, I, I just think that's cool. Like, because there's another artist. Um, I I think about like somebody like Joe Pug when I think about um merging the business side of things with the music. Like he kind of runs his own business almost. You know, like with his and I just think that's really cool to have talent in both those both those arenas because um sometimes you know artists don't want anything to do with that side of things. And, um, I think it's, uh, I just think it's cool. Yeah. Like for, for example, me, I, I would be, I would be, uh, I don't know if I would do well in the business. I, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, it, it's two separate. I look at it as two separate worlds, but if you can, if you're good at both, you know, you, I think you're, you know, you can really advance yourself. So. Thanks. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. Some of it's just due to like not being able to sit still. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah. Someone like Joe Pug, I mean, man. Yeah. I have nothing but utmost respect for stuff like that. Yeah. Especially during like the pandemic when some artists were able to pivot and like do real, real business online. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I quickly wanted to ask you about, uh, the band you meant, somebody asked you what your, what the best country band in San Antonio was once. And you said, uh, El Campo. So, so I, <laughs> wow. so I went, that's a, yeah, I wonder when that was, well, I looked up their, uh, one album and it, I think it was like golden stare. Ah, oh, shit. I can't remember the name of it right now. Yeah, yeah. That's their last album. But I, think. I think it was from 2019, but that album, uh, man, I, I, it's 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 a great album. And I was, I'd was i never heard of that band before. And uh, I was just, I wanted to thank you for hipping me to those guys because... Uh, oh, man. Yeah. That's cool you found that. I found out about them through an interview. That's awesome. I just saw their singer uh, 
about an hour ago. Oh, really? Okay. So they're still making music or? I'm not sure what their status is. Uh, they all have different projects and stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that interview is probably around the time that album came out. Right. Yeah. That guy has a great voice and uh, I don't know. There's something about their music. I just, uh, I've been listening to that one album quite a bit. So, yeah, it's a great album. I need to pull that one off the shelf. Yeah. Um, all right, man. I'll, I'll let you get on with your night. I just want to know what's, what's next for you. I know you have some tour dates. Like, are you going to be playing with Reverend Horton Heat? Is that correct? Yeah. 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 There's a bunch of, a bunch of NASA country stuff. Um, in the immediate future, we're doing like probably six or seven South by shows. And then we're doing that green hall show next week with those six maniacs and Flacco Jimenez and Augie Myers. And then after South by is we're playing with Reverend Horton heat and the sons of Hercules here in, here in town. And then we have some random stuff in April and then I'm doing a two and a half week run with just me and a guitarist, uh, sharing the bill with Scott H. Byram. Okay. Who seems to be a regular presence in my life at this point, <laughs> uh, which is awesome. He's, he rules. I've been a fan of him for a very long time. And uh, I don't know, still working out some summer stuff. But uh, is the guitarist Torin? Is that who's joining you on? No, my friend Brian Broussard's gonna go on with me on this oh, one. Okay, Byram tour. Okay, and that's kind of an experiment. I haven't really toured the area we're going like this. We're we're driving up to Chicago and then hanging out around there, like Michigan and. Wisconsin and stuff. Oh, a Midwest run. Okay. It's a Midwest run. And then we zoom back down through to Kansas City and over to Denver. But uh, it's all an experiment to me. And uh, hopefully it's really fun. Yeah. And, uh, always working on new music and all that. And any. That's what's really been making me excited these days. Yeah. Do you have a, do you have a batch of songs? Ready to go for another album? Yeah, I have like four batches for five albums. Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> that I'm working on. I don't know what I'm going to do all the way with some of it, but uh, I've been writing a lot. You write every day? You pick up the guitar every day? Uh, Right now I do. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I really, I really appreciate you reaching out and enjoying the music. This people are beautiful. Uh, album rollout. Like it's funny. You mentioned that Rolling Stone article or some of this stuff. Cause I was so worked up about doing PR for this record. Like we sat on it for over a year and uh, I decided I was going to mostly do the PR myself. We had some regional help, but, uh, my goal is to get five high quality articles that like kind of describe what we were trying to do on the album and what NASA country tries to do. And yeah. there's been a lot more than that and some really, really good ones and including this. So, yeah, man. Yeah. I've heard you on a bunch of different podcasts and, and, uh, um, yeah, man, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear whatever's next for you. Um, your albums just seem to be getting better and better. So, uh, yeah, uh, good luck with the tours. Uh, good luck at South By. I uh, hope you have good shows there. Say hi to. Actually, wait. Romano doesn't know me, so it wouldn't be it wouldn't be good to huh? say hi to him. But I've seen him a bunch, anyways. But <laughs> cool. Uh, all right, man. We'll ha we'll have a good night, and thank you so much for hopping on here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Blake. Yeah. This was cool. I can't wait to uh, see what you got coming up next. Yeah, man. All right. Take it easy. All right. Okay. Bye.
traveling nights I've been flying through space I've been gliding through time And I hope that you're out there Somewhere under the sky I've been traveling days I've been traveling nights enjoyed that episode, we'd appreciate if you could tell your friends, family, or even a few strangers about the show. Additionally, you can leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you have a story to share or a guest to recommend, you can reach out to us via the website, which is raisedbywhoops.com. We're glad to have you with us. Thanks, and take care.